Hello, and welcome back to the In Repose podcast with your host, Caitlin of Caitlin Curiosity. In Repose is a space for us to have intentional conversations around our homes, our businesses, our experiences, relationships, and just life in general. And I'm so grateful you are joining me for yet another week of intentional conversation. If this is your first week joining us, welcome, 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 welcome. I feel like we need an official welcome song, but I, it just has not come to me. So <laughs> welcome. And we're so excited to have you. I'm so, so grateful. How are you feeling this week? <laughs> I ask you, I ask me, how are we feeling this week? Do we, is there anything we need to breathe into, breathe out? I know there is so much. First of all, it's always important for me to acknowledge what is happening all around us, Texas, Afghanistan, the storms on the East Coast, the storms on the West Coast, it's everywhere around us. And I want to acknowledge and I want to hold space for whatever you are feeling because I've seen and witnessed a lot of conversations recently about how hard and heavy life can feel and this human experience can feel right now. And I don't want to bypass around it like, oh, no, it's not. Like, if by saying no, it's not, we're denying the reality for millions of people, millions of people, and that's not what I'm going to do. So I want to hold space for that if you're having a particularly hard week. And I will try and give you some laughter, give you some intentional conversation today to just breathe, breathe with me. (laughs) I also want to give just a quick disclaimer because as I was going back and editing this, From minutes three to about eight, there's like a five-minute section where it gets a little bit staticky in the background. I don't quite understand the technical glitches that we had, but then it resumes to be totally fine, and there wasn't a way I could edit this out, so I just want to give a warning. If you want to skip ahead, I totally understand. I just didn't want you to dip out because (laughs) I am so finicky about these things, but I had no way to get rid of it, so I apologize. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get into it. So this week, I've been officially, first world problems over here in this cabin is my water heater went out a week ago, so I've been one week without hot water over here, which I just keep telling myself, one, I'm so grateful to have access to water. I'm fine. I'm fine. And two, freezing cold showers are so healthy for us. (laughs) I'm just doing, you know, just taking my shower game to the next level with this like Wim Hof method. of freezing cold showers. It will be fine. You know, it could be the dead of winter. It's still beautiful. There's still sunshine out. Just doing the best that I can to see the silver lining. If you don't know, also, one of the things that's that can be hard or challenging about living in a small, small, small town is that there's generally only like one person or two people or three people that do one position. So, you know, if you're living in the city and your air conditioning goes out, your water heater goes out or whatever it may be goes out, your car breaks down, you have like 10 different options, 20 different options, 50 different options to choose from. But in a small town, I have (laughs) for this water heater three and everybody's on fires or off at bow season. So (laughs) here we go. First world issues. We don't care, right? (laughs) But I wanted to talk to you today about anxiety. And 
Firstly, I want to make a disclaimer that I am not an expert, nor do I pretend to be, nor that I want to talk to you like I'm being one. It is simply you and I engaging in a conversation in case that you too experience anxiety. And I want to say specifically social anxiety is something that I want to speak on because it's something that I've dealt with since I was a really since I was really young. And I don't ever hear people talk about it often. And I think people are often surprised to hear that I have it because I can appear like I do, <laughs> I'm assuming. Oopsie. Turn those notifications off. But I want to, for me, it's always important if you're new to this podcast or if you're whatever point you're joining us at, everything that we engage in in conversation is is because I have a direct experience with it. And that's we are connected through our experiences to know that you are not alone and that I am not alone. And maybe uh, I don't need to share that, but I do feel the need to because I think oftentimes we expect people on platforms to have to to be the expert or like they're talking to us like they are the expert. And that's not what we're doing here. It's just you and I engaging in a conversation about something that I have an experience with and perhaps you relate to it too. So Social anxiety for me is something that started when I was really, really little, and I can pinpoint it. I specifically, I very vividly remember different instances in my life of dealing with it and encountering it. And when I was really little, I remember I was a really shy little girl. I was very, very shy. And I was often pushed to be outgoing and bubbly. That That's how you're loved. That's how you're seen. That's how you make people laugh. That's how you entertain people. But that wasn't me. That I wasn't, I wanted to hide. I was very introverted from a very young age. And I don't know if we're intermingling the two words because for me, I've always just been an introvert. I'm not extroverted. My brother, who's younger than me, was born. He was very extroverted from the time he was young. He was very, very extroverted. And that, of course, could change. I haven't checked in with him recently if that being around people energizes him or not. And maybe he was an extroverted introvert, right? Like I'm telling his story. From my perspective, as children, he was very extroverted. I was very introverted. But people called me shy. And I was pushed to be someone other than what felt best to me, other than what felt natural. And it's didn't feel good. And I remember that thread continuing on through elementary school and middle school that I was a very shy person. I didn't go out of my way to make friends. I've talked about it before. I didn't have very many friends at all. I was very, very, I've always been the black sheep of social groups within my family and very introverted. And I remember being in high school too, around 14, 15 years old. And Part of the part of my me being an introvert is I'm very perceptive and very observant of people. I really like to observe people. So while I'm sitting and not saying anything, I'm taking in and observing people. And that to me is really fascinating. But when I was in my teens, I wanted to be what I considered a quote-unquote normal teenager. I wanted to fit in with everybody else who didn't seem to care what other people thought. Why did I care what people thought? I, I'm also very highly sensitive and empathetic, so I felt like I could feel what other people were think, feeling or think, or I could hear what other people were thinking, and it just felt like I just wanted to turn all of that noise off. This brain that I felt like never stopped thinking and analyzing and observing and perceiving and taking everything in all the time. I just wanted to turn it off. I just wanted to go to a high school party and fit in with everyone else and not give a shit what anyone thought or just not think at all. (laughs) Like It wasn't even really what they thought. It was that I couldn't stop thinking, that my brain could not turn off. And this manifested for me as anxiety. I got really bad social anxiety. So 
I, of course, turned to, not of course, but my way of coping because I had, I wasn't happy at home. I wasn't happy in my own body. I was very, very, very depressed was I turned to alcohol so that I could turn off my brain, turn off those thoughts, turn off any social awkwardness because I had been an outcast up until that point. And so that was how I coped during that time. And going into my 20s, of course, I think oftentimes we see alcohol being used as social lubricant or as a way to avoid any awkwardness or avoid, it's awkwardness, right? We're always trying to avoid awkwardness. The silence or that pause in conversation is something that we often trying to avoid. And going into my 20s, I still remember having social anxiety. And one of the ways that I wanted to help myself have a toolkit for this social anxiety because social anxiety for me was I hate small talk. I loathe small talk. I absolutely despise small talk. If I know you, I want to go deep with you. I don't want to talk about the weather or just surface level things. I'm not a surface person. I love, love, love to go deep with people, but To get there, that requires trust and intimacy and communication. So it's like we can't skip that part, that beginning part of the small talk surfacey relationship before we go into the depths. That has to be built over time. But that doesn't mean I freaking like it. I still don't like it. (laughs) So for me, dealing with social anxiety is one, understanding why do I feel anxious? Is it because I'm nervous? Is it because I said yes to something that I should have said no to? Just finding the root, first of all, but two, developing a toolkit that can help me navigate it a bit better. So one of the things that I did in my 20s was that I I had myself go and take a bartending job because I had been in service, I had been in the service industry before, years before, not as a bartender, but as a server and a hostess. And it's one of the things that <laughs> I have, I can't, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I have reoccurring nightmares about being a server. I was a server at a sushi restaurant and which was like the best place to be a server because free sushi is amazing. But I have reoccurring nightmares about being a server because of the level of social anxiety it gives me. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't, if you experience social anxiety, then you probably understand that level of, it's wild to me. So no amount of toolkit could help. But what I did do in my mid to late 20s is I had myself go and get a bartending job. And I wanted to start to be able to, I thought maybe it would help me grow through that this anxiety can be really debilitating for me. Like I would cancel plans. I would, when I was a personal trainer, I would cancel sessions because I would have, there would be some days where I had such bad social anxiety having to be one-on-one with a client that I'd have to cancel. It was overwhelming, panic attacks, like overwhelming And so when I took this bartending position, one thing, there was a few different things I learned. (laughs) One is that people generally love to talk about themselves. For the most part, they love to talk about themselves. But you do have to ask thought-provoking questions for the most part so that they do feel, or at least create a space. I feel like it's really important to create a safe space that they feel comfortable to talk about themselves and then ask them thought-provoking questions where they talk about themselves. 
And they generally like to do that for the most part. There's, there's most people. Not, I don't know. Okay, let's not say most people, Caitlin. Let's say I noticed that with a lot of people. And maybe that was also especially coming into a bar. Like most people want to talk talk when they're there. Uh, the second thing that I noticed is that in being, I wanted to be able to use my, what came naturally to me, my natural gifts and be able to honor them and use them in a way that made me feel good. So if I'm in social situations that make me feel uncomfortable, what comes naturally to me and how do I express from that place? So I'll give you the example. I, like I said before, I'm observant and very perceptive. So I take in a lot of information and I can see, I always look at someone as what are like, what threads do we have that connect us? So what things light that person up and bring them joy? What things light me up and bring me joy? Or what experiences does that person have? What experiences do I have? And where do we connect at? And of course, there's going to be people that you don't connect on shit with. And it can be, maybe it's awkward, maybe it's uncomfortable, but maybe you learn something from them because they're completely different than you. And I think me having so many different experiences, it could be beer, it could be holistic nutrition, it could be working out, it could be, oh my gosh, there's so many different things. (laughs) Could be makeup, it could be farming, it could be, I feel like there's so many different, I'm so multidimensional and we all are, that there's some generally something that you can connect over, a shared experience in some way, and then asking someone about those things. So that's what I started to do is I started to know, to use my natural gifts of being observant and using that to ask thought-provoking specific questions that that person felt seen. And so they were able to share with me and then I felt comfortable because they felt comfortable. So that's one of the ways, that's what I'm, one of the ways that I'm really grateful that I had that job. Also, side note, this is not, <laughs> not a plug, but I just have to shout out, if you are ever in Phoenix and you love or your partner or your friends love craft beer, Ren House Brewing is the place that you want to go. It is so good. That is the brewery that I worked at. It was like the first year they had opened. They're an incredible group of guys. They're so talented. I learned so much. It was it was such an amazing experience. One, because it really pulled me out of my shell and allowed me to develop a confidence in speaking and using my natural gifts. But two, just being in that space. They're just so, it's so good. It's so talented. So aside from that, <laughs> personal training was the other way. And that one made me far more uncomfortable because one-on-one really makes me nervous. It's the one-on-ones that I get really, really nervous for. And this was coming up recently because I've been working again one-on-one with clients and I noticed that anxiety coming, that social anxiety that comes up for me when I have a call scheduled. And I used to cancel podcast interviews or reschedule because there's some days that it's really hard to describe, but it's such an overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety and anxiousness and that I couldn't I couldn't even, I couldn't ground myself. I couldn't ground myself out of it. And I want to share that really transparently because it's, it, 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 it is unprofessional and it is unreliable. I think I, I would look at myself sometimes as unreliable because when that, when I have a panic attack where that anxiety takes over, it's all I could think about. And I, I was thinking recently because I hadn't been doing that. I hadn't been rescheduling for like a good year. And so I wanted to to explore like why do I think that is? Like why have I kind of gotten a grasp on my anxiety? And one of the things I think that's really big is not saying yes to things that 
are not for me, that I'm not excited about. So when there is a work opportunity, a podcast opportunity, a collaboration opportunity, if something to my intuition says this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel like the right, correct partnership for me, something feels off, I do not say yes. I noticed a lot of anxiety would come up for me if I was saying yes to things that I wanted to say no to and I just didn't. I was too scared to say no to them. I people pleased. I said yes and now I'm anxious about them because I don't actually want to do them. So that was one thing that really, really helped me was having strong, clear boundaries. The second thing is I know who I am. So I'm clearly in an environment that supports my introvertedness. (laughs) Like that is really, has really allowed me to thrive because I'm not in a city where I felt really alone, where I'm not someone who wants to go out and go to social events. I don't want to go to the bars. I don't, I don't want to do those things. And I always, again, felt like an outcast, even in my twenties because, or my late twenties, I should say, where I didn't want to go out and socialize in that way. That's That doesn't feel good to me. What feels best to me is being in someone's home and sharing food and making food. And, and at the time when I was drinking, having drinks together and laughing and dancing. And that to me, a home environment is the most supportive and nurturing. So again, that kind of has to go back to the boundaries, right? Of not saying yes to things that I know aren't fun. They're not fun to me. So why would I say Yes. So I can fit in with everyone so I can have more friends. (laughs) I'm not someone that has a big circle of friends because that's not my lifestyle. And understanding and accepting that part of myself. And then the next part is really communicating that to people because other people are different. I would say that my partner is more social in that way. And I'm not, and and I'm not gonna say a lot because I've dated people in the past that were really, really social. And we were so clearly different because that's not who I am. Daniel really is more towards me, more of a homebody, but he still likes to socialize more than I do. So people generally like him more than me. And he definitely has a lot more friends than I do. And maybe that's something that would have made me uncomfortable in the past. Like, oh, I should be doing. No, this is who I am. And it's up to me to explain that to him. Like, it's really important for me to communicate that with him. And he doesn't understand it all the time. He doesn't. I'll be fully honest. It's, but it's not for him to understand. He accepts it. But sometimes he doesn't understand why I would say no to that social thing. Because I, it, it doesn't. it's not fun for me. And I think some people's argument or some things that I've been told is like, oh, but you could go and, and end up having fun. Like maybe you just don't, like I go to things and I end up having fun. And it's like, no, but I know myself. I know I'm 31 years old. I know what social events are actually fun for me. And I'm just nervous because of, I'm just nervous. You know, I'm just nervous versus no, I, this is bringing me anxiety because I don't want to go. These, I will leave this party, this situation, this social gathering of strangers that I've like, I, that's not how I want to spend my night. So I don't have to, I'm 31. I'm a grown ass woman. I don't need to spend my nights like that. And it's really, really important that we honor that in ourselves. And sometimes that does let people down. Sometimes that can disappoint people. But at the end of the day, if they get to honor who they are by going out and being social, then I get to honor who I am by staying home and not being as social. 
Little do you know, I've been working behind the scenes on a super secret project, a new brand that is going to be birthed into this world. And I'm so excited because it has been a dream of mine for so many years. But having been an entrepreneur and launching three different businesses, I have a pretty streamlined way of doing things. And the area that I struggle the most in every single time is the creative direction. It is so hard for me for designing logos and typography and all of that. And I'm so grateful to share Daniela from Lunaria Design Studio. I have been working with her with the branding process on this secret project, doing creative direction, the primary logos, the secondary logos, typography, the color palette, all of that is taken care of. And she is so incredibly talented. It blows my mind. Like I... I freak out every time she sends me something over. So if you are an intentional entrepreneur who is ready to take your branding to that next level, whether it be on socials, on your website, for your physical products, I highly encourage you to check out Daniela. She does such a beautiful job. She is so wonderful to work with, so talented, so intuitive, so kind, so loving. I'm gushing about her. I will tag all of her information down below in the show notes if you want to check her out. Again, Daniela from Linaria Design Studio. I will share more about our process and the secret project I am working on in the upcoming weeks with you, and I cannot wait. One of the other reasons that I wanted to talk about social anxiety and anxiety is something that I see in the spirituality and wellness space a lot of times is this notion that we have to or we should heal and do enough work to eradicate anxieties or that it could be not self or out of alignment or whatever that may be and for me that's not necessarily true because if these one I always ask myself, so like when I'm having social anxiety about a one-on-one with a client, I think it's easy to see in the, in a business relationship, right? Like a little bit of anxiety comes up for me before a one-on-one call because I put the pressure on myself that if this person is paying me, I need to deliver. I need to deliver. I need to deliver. And that's that's the nervousness that I have. But that does not mean that I allow it to cancel that call or I don't do the thing. I really, what helps me navigate is by looking at the root of it of why is this making me nervous? Why do I have this anxiety around this thing? And I know I'm kind of interchanging the words, but I, for me, it, it's, it, it is, it does feel like a nervousness. And I think that kind of dissolves when I call it an anxiety. It's like this maybe I'm using the incorrect language and I want to apologize in case that I am, but I, it helps me. And that's all I'm trying to explain there. So by acknowledging that I'm creating a pressure on myself to deliver at a certain level, then I immediately dissolve. And yes, it still makes me nervous because I'm interacting with someone one-on-one and that kind of always does, especially when it's new, because like I said, I don't like small talk and surface stuff. I want to go deep and I want to to meet their expectations. I want to deliver that for them. And it's just a pressure that I put on myself. And so that really, really helps me. And then of course, things that have that have really, really calmed down and grounded me, because that's the other thing is grounding myself is meditation, is my tonics, my herbs, is daily consistent movement. When I I notice when I move that energy through me, that it doesn't have the chance to build up and take hold. So instead, when I have my social anxiety come up, because I have all these ways in which I ground myself, literally grounding outside in between client calls, I'm making a plant-based smoothie with my bare feet on the ground and sunshine on my face so that I'm just fully 
grounded so that I can show up present because that's the other thing. When that anxiety is there, I used to be in my head the whole time instead of being present with the client or with the friend or with the date, whoever that is. I would be so in my head. So I have to have these practices that ground me. Again, not eradicating, but grounding me. So that way, there's space for the fear, the anxiety to come up and present itself. And I breathe. Breathwork is another really beautiful one. I breathe through it. I talk to it and I have a conversation with it of why I'm feeling this way. And a lot of times when we ask ourselves why I'm feeling this way or what is, I used to ask myself, what is the worst case scenario, Caitlin, on this call? What if it's the worst call that you have? What, what then? (laughs) And by asking myself that, it was like, oh, well, I'd be fine. Like, I'd be fine. So yeah, why am I worried? Like, I'd be fine. Maybe it'd be really awkward. And, you know, I would go, I would play that through my mind, but I'd be fine. (laughs) So it's, Using our tools, our toolkit to ground ourselves, to have that conversation that we don't, I think that can create a lot of pressure and and just a lot of pressure on ourselves to feel like no matter what we're doing, if we are in the, if we are using tools to help us heal through certain things that it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to eradicate them. It just means that we can have a conversation with them and we don't let them in the driver's seat. Again, I go back to that self-trust. I go back to that self-confidence. I go back to that self-love. Talking to yourself as if you were talking to a good friend. If you had a good friend that was expressing these things to you, you wouldn't call her stupid or an idiot or, oh, I thought you worked through this, Sarah. What are you doing? (laughs) You wouldn't talk to her that way, but we're so quick to talk to ourselves that way. And so I know... I mean, through the years of building my toolkit, I know what makes me feel my best. And maybe for you, that's knowing your human design. Maybe for you, that's going for a run. Maybe for you, that is having that chamomile tea. Maybe it's a nap. Maybe it's a good night's rest. It's going to look different for each and every one of us. And I'm not saying this is, again, I'm not the expert here in saying this is the solution to curing anxiety. Absolutely not, because we are all so different in what we are experiencing. I am sharing my experience in the toolkit that I use and how I build a toolkit and the experiences I've had to help ground me and help me grow through some of these fears and how I talk back to the fear. So I hope this serves you. I hope this is supportive (laughs) in some way. I'm so grateful you are here. Remember, take a screenshot of your review and email it to me, hello at caitlincuriosity.com, so I can gift you the Herbal Powders and Coffee Tonics Workshop. You can join our coffee tonic chamomile coffee community (laughs) you know i post my tonic of the day over on instagram at caitlin curiosity and i'll speak to you next week sweet friend i'm sending you so much love